Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. I'm going to be joined later today in the show by Dan Pizzuta of Sharp Football Analysis to, guess what, talk a little bit more about Bijan Robinson and what he is going to bring to the Atlanta Falcons offense. Dan does excellent work, um, really diving deep into a lot of the analytics. He understands the trends, where the game is going. And so he was the person that, as I was doing a lot of research on um, the kind of Ability for Atlanta's offense to adopt the pony personnel, which Dan will explain um, in much greater detail later on in the show. But really just with Bijan, with Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson still in the mix, you know, how can they utilize all of their running backs together? And what kind of complications could that present to opposing defenses this season and looking forward? So as I was kind of doing all of my research for a piece that is actually up on the Falcolic dot com right now um, about, you know, this exact question. Can the Falcons really unlock their potential in pony personnel? Two of Dan's pieces uh, were, you know, very, very um, crucial to uh, to my research for that piece. So he was the natural person that I wanted to reach out to uh, and and talk on the podcast about this very topic. So I hope you guys will stay tuned for my conversation with Dan, because it really, I think, is enlightening uh, in terms of how the Falcons really, really could use a unique player that I think a lot of people are just kind of trying to pencil in or or fit into the running back box. But as we will mention, um, he is a lot more than that. And there's a lot more, I think, kind of flexibility that the Falcons offense could have as they've had. Like that is the theme with Atlanta's offense has been versatility, flexibility, um, and being able to do a bunch of different things out of a variety of different looks. So that is what we are going to have on tap for the bulk of today's show. Before we get into a couple of news and notes, and then um, one other topic before Dan, just want to provide a word from today's sponsor. So betonline.ag is the number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including up-to-date player reports for this year's NBA playoffs right over at BetOnline. It is also your sports information headquarters this season, and BetOnline has you covered for all of your wagering needs. I'm talking basketball, baseball, NHL hockey, right on down to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get all of your betting info, including live betting options, as well as your favorite casino and card games, which you can play right from your home. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, so I mentioned a couple news and notes. Uh, First and foremost, welcome to our our German fans. You know, I guess it was announced uh, Tuesday morning that the Falcons had been granted, I guess, Germany. Um, as kind of the preliminary marketing rights, you know, they're now there are greater capabilities for the Atlanta Falcons to directly communicate, I guess, with the fan base uh, over in Germany, which, you know, I've, I've spoken to some fans uh, who are 
based out in Germany. Uh, very appreciative for anybody who wants to cheer on the red and black. Uh, so now I guess I'm can welcome you guys in in a little bit more of a official capacity. Say guten tag to all of my uh, German listeners. I did take uh, I believe it was one semester of of German in high school. Maybe it was junior and senior year. Didn't really stick. Uh, so I'm not I'm not gonna try to pronounce or or speak fluent German here on this podcast. That's not why you guys come for me. But I did wanted to uh, or I did want to just kind of shout that out that 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 was made official uh, on Tuesday. So as the international game kind of expands and, and the NFL continues to go overseas, I thought that that was kind of cool and, and worth mentioning. So again, welcome to uh, to all of Germany. Welcome to the uh, to the Falcons gang. Um, second is JJ, our, our Sega Whiteside, um, was signed by the Falcons. I, I don't think that this is anything major. I don't think that this is the receiving help that, that we've been waiting for that, that Josh Kendall and I kind of talked about on the show a couple weeks back. You know, it's maybe the one part of this roster that you still think something else could be done. Um, I don't think that this move is it, but he is obviously a, a former second round draft pick. So it just felt, uh, Important to mention, but I think that it's clear why he makes sense for this team, right? It's another tall, physical wide receiver, you know, 6'3", like 225 in that range, kind of a hybrid receiver, tight end player. Um, but the production just has not been there. He only has 16 uh, receptions in his career uh, since being drafted in 2019. So again, I think it's going to be a camp body. I think it's going to be you know, potentially there's some upside there. The pedigree is a high draft pick. So, you know, you get a little bit of upside and another buy low candidate. The bigger news to me is that uh, Jared Bernhardt was the corresponding move for Atlanta and was placed on the reserve retired list. Uh, So seems for all intents and purposes, that Bernie's uh, football career may be over, which is a massive shame because last year he was by far, I think the most exciting, you know, outside of like the draft picks, the the rookie that a lot of players or a lot of fans really enjoyed watching former lacrosse player, a lot of interesting upside. So I don't have any more details for you guys on exactly what has happened there, but it's unfortunate. I, I hate to see it because I really was curious to see, you know, is, is Jared Bernhardt going to obviously he's going to continue to develop because everybody you know, hopefully does in this league, but how quickly would he develop? What does that look like? Is there a legitimate chance here for, um, you know, him to pull a Mark Wahlberg and invincible and just kind of go on to, to make impact plays on Sundays in the future. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Um, so unfortunate to see the last thing that I wanted to touch on before we get to my conversation with Dan is uh, another podcast. Actually, I'm going to plug a totally different podcast, uh, green light podcast with Chris long and, I've been listening to uh, to this podcast now for several years, you know, when Chris first got out of the league and then was um, kind of co-hosting with Ryan Rosillo there for a little bit uh, during the NFL season. I say co-host, just kind of coming on the uh, the podcast in like a guest capacity for a little while there. But his NFL insight is something that first attracted me to him as a podcaster. And now he's gone on to have a very successful uh, show of his own. So I encourage you guys to to go give Chris a follow. But this past week on on Tuesday in fact he had Arthur Smith uh on the the show so i listened to i'm not going to give you guys everything that they talked about because again i encourage you to go listen to his show for yourself but i did jot down some notes just on on some of the topics and 
more notable uh, things that Arthur Smith said. So obviously they touched on Bijan Robinson. Uh, I'm not going to do a whole Bijan spiel because again, Dan and I are going to get to that in one second, but he did mention, you know, they view him uh, as a player more similar to Cordero Patterson, uh, like uh, who is again, a former wide receiver, but just a different kind of running back is the exact quote that Arthur Smith gave. I don't think that's breaking news to anybody. You know, it's clear that they view Bijan Robinson as somebody who is a running back plus, right? It's yeah, he can do all the things that we need a running back to do. And he does it at a very high level, but he also has other elements to his game that we intend to utilize. Again, I don't think you're going to hear the Falcons depart from that message at all, because I think that that is the truth. I think that's why they drafted Bijan Robinson. Um, but it's, it's always nice to hear the head coach again, reiterate that in different mediums uh, and different places. So he's going to play multiple spots. That's they're going to move everybody around. That's what they've been doing. He mentioned that with Arthur Smith mentioned that with John U. Smith and with Kyle Pitts as well. You know, we're moving our running backs. We're moving our tight ends. We're going to try to confuse defenses. Uh, it's, it's again, very straightforward stuff. What they want to do. It's just not straightforward to the other side of the ball, which is the point. Um, but this is kind of, I think the thing that really is the reason why Bijan is here. And I, I think that the Falcons knew that they needed to get more explosive. You know, you, you saw with Kyle Pitts coming out of college that he could kind of score from, from anywhere on the field, it seemed like. Well, so far in the NFL, he hasn't necessarily done that. Drake London is a very good, I think, run-after-the-catch player. I think he's a little bit more of an athlete than people give him credit for. However, explosive is maybe not the, the word that I would use to describe Drake London, even though I'm a fan of a lot of uh, what he brings to the table. But Bijan Robinson is an explosive athlete. Bijan Robinson can score kind of from anywhere. And so when Arthur Smith said that he was a home run hitter and that not only was he a home run hitter, but he did it in a variety of different ways at Texas, whether it was, you know, gap schemes, zone schemes, power, catching the ball, uh, catching the ball downfield or out of the backfield, you know, kind of get this guy, get the ball in this guy's hands and he can take it the distance on, on any player. At least he's a threat to do so. And the reason that he's a threat to do so is his contact balance. And this is where Arthur Smith likes to compare and contrast Tyler Algier with Bijan Robinson, because Tyler Algier breaks a lot of tackles, but he does so because he's a damn sledgehammer, right? Like he's, he's more like my, uh, my co-host Ovi's former running mate, Michael Turner, right? You know, not the exact same player, but he's going to lay the wood a little bit more. Bijan has incredible contact balance. So he is going to be a player that is just not going to go down with arm tackles. He's going to stay up. He's going to fight for all these extra yards. And so it's going to wear defenses down, but just in different ways. So that is the biggest thing is I think breaking tackles is something that Arthur Smith looked for in Bijan Robinson and scoring touchdowns. And if he can do those two things, I don't think we're going to be sitting here worried about the fact that the Falcons took a running back at the number eight overall pick. I think we're going to be celebrating way more frequently than we are not. If, if that's the case with Bijan, um, a couple more things. So how will Bijan and, and Tyler Algiers workload kind of split, right? That is the big question because Tyler Algier did. He had the best season by a Falcons rookie running back uh, last year. And then they went and drafted somebody in the very first round in the top 10. Kind of, I get why a lot of people are like, why did they do that? But without Marcus Mariota here, Arthur Smith believes that there's going to be some more carries available to go around between the running backs. Obviously, they, they want to 
still have an element of the quarterback running game. And I think Desmond Ritter is capable of doing that. It may just not be the designed running game that they had last year, early on in the year with Marcus Mariota, because he is a Desmond Ritter is a different type of player than Marcus Mariota. So there could be more carries for the team that led the league in uh, rushing attempts last year to go to the running backs. Uh, so that is just a little bit of information as to how maybe Arthur Smith is viewing the reason why Bijan can, can fit here and they can still work in Tyler Algier and still get Cordero Patterson. It's going to be a variety of different ways, but if they're going to hand the ball off, he feels that there's enough carries to go around um, for these two guys. Kyle Pitts, uh, no real news. They did ask about it. Um, you know, Arthur Smith kind of didn't go into too, too much detail, but did say that he fought through some injuries last year uh, and that by and large, like he was doing things to help the team win. So I know from a fantasy perspective, uh, the numbers weren't there, but I do think he got better as a blocker. And I do think the Falcons figured out different ways to use him that will really pay off this year, even though those may not be specifically as a receiver. But I think you're going to get more of the complete package of Kyle Pitts in 2023, where as a rookie, we saw what he could do as a receiver in a passing game that had a veteran quarterback like Matt Ryan. Last year, I think it was a lot of the Swiss Army knife also run blocking and being more in line and close to the line of scrimmage. I think he's going to put it all together this year, and I would expect a big year from Kyle Pitts. Another thing, uh, and I meant to do some research actually right before hitting record. I didn't get a chance to do this, so apologies if this is already out there. I had not heard this yet, um, but I did make a note. Arthur Smith said that they would not be wearing the red gradient jerseys um, at home this year, so no gradient jerseys for the Falcons in 2023. Again, I don't know if that's been like officially announced uh, on the website or whatever. I remember we used to put out kind of the uniform schedule in the offseason. It was always one of the highest performing pieces of the year for us. So I know that that is content that a lot of you all care about. Um, so I'm just relaying it here. If you guys have seen it, again, carry on with your lives. If not, yeah, Arthur Smith on, on the Green Light podcast did say no red gradient jerseys for Atlanta. So he, you know, they did talk about throwbacks. You know, I expect to see all of that this year. He said they wear three um, throwbacks with the red helmets. So don't worry, those are coming back. It's just, you know, the polarizing red gradients maybe will not be there in 2023. Finally, the defense. Um, really, when it came to the defense, Arthur Smith, they wanted to get bigger on the defensive line. They wanted to get a little more stout on the defensive line. And they really wanted to be able to have a rotation. And Chris Long, obviously playing for the Eagles when they went on to eventually win the Super Bowl in 2017, that defensive line rotating guys in and out. You look at kind of the Eagles this year, rotating guys in and out. That is something that I think Arthur Smith and Ryan Nielsen really wanted to prioritize this offseason was building the depth on the defensive line to keep these guys fresh, to not have Lorenzo Carter and Grady Jarrett be playing 70% of the snaps uh, for, for the defense. So. I think that they've accomplished that. Now, obviously, got to keep guys healthy. Injuries can can creep up and play a factor, but they also are insulating themselves against injuries to some degree by adding a lot of these um, players. So that was a, a clear priority. I think it's safe to say that we knew that <laughs> given what they did in free agency. But they have said from day one, they want to invest in the trenches. It was good to kind of see them follow through on that. Bud Dupree specifically mentioned um, as an edge setter, as somebody who, you know, playing on the edge can set the edge and, and play run defense. So that may give you an idea of some early down usage for Bud Dupree and how they're looking at at this rotation and getting everybody involved. But they he did. Uh, Arthur Smith did also say that 
you know, he was one of the better speed to power guys that uh, that he's been around in his career. And obviously there is familiarity from their days together in uh, in Tennessee. And then finally, this is kind of what got me really excited. And it's one of the things you turn on the tape. I'm a big fan of David Onyemata. I think that has a chance to be one of the better free agency signings for Atlanta, even though that's the one people point to as like, well, you got a lot of great value everywhere else, but David Onyemata, maybe you overpaid for him. You could have had all these other guys. I think that A, the connection with Ryan Nielsen and the fact that they paid him what they paid him, like they know exactly how they want to use him. They know exactly where he's going to fit in. I think that this is a very safe investment for the Falcons. But Arthur Smith said, and this is a direct quote, you can tell when you hear the O-line talk about certain guys. And right after that, he was like, we can't wait to have David Onyemata in Atlanta. So after the Falcons have played the Saints twice a year forever, um, it's clear that the Falcons offensive linemen have a lot of respect for David Onyemata uh, and just having to go up against him. So when your own team is like, go get that guy, I think that's a pretty good sign that the uh, Falcons are excited for what they will get in David Onyemata. So yeah, that was Arthur Smith on the uh, Greenlight podcast with Chris Long. Again, I encourage you guys all to go check that out. Don't worry. We are actively at work trying to get Arthur Smith on this lovely podcast so we can, you know, ask him the hard hitting questions, questions like what is your favorite song on the training camp playlist or which referee tells the funniest jokes? You know, the the questions that you all really, really want to know. So we are working on that. And Arthur Smith, if you're listening, come on down. Let's talk. Have a chat. Um, All right. Enough with that. Let's get into my conversation with Dan Pizzuta of Sharp Football Analysis to talk more about Bijan Robinson, this Atlanta offense, and all that they can accomplish in 2023. Here we go. It is my pleasure to be joined now by Dan Pizzuta of Sharp Football Analysis. Dan, how are you doing, man? Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. And everybody can find your fabulous work on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta, nice and easy. Same with me. I'm at Will McFadden. So we're, you know, among the uh, lucky few who just have their real name as the uh, handle. So that's fun. But I would encourage everybody to go locate um, a recent piece that you did, which is, you know, how Bijan Robinson can basically impact um, Atlanta's offense. And as I was doing my research for today's show and and a piece I'm working on myself uh, for the Falcoholic, basically about this exact idea of having this multiple back offense and and really what it kind of unlocked for an NFL team. And as I was digging through this, I came across another piece that you did last year heading into the 2022 season asking this exact question. So immediately I knew that you were the perfect person to have on to kind of discuss this and, and what Atlanta can accomplish. So first off, I guess, Dan, can you explain a little bit about what Pony personnel is and kind of the pros and cons of, of employing it as an offensive strategy? Sure. So the Pony personnel is just having two running backs on the field at the same time. And usually like we'll talk about, you know, 21 personnel. And usually when you do stuff like that, it's, you know, a running back and a fullback. Um, But pony personnel is when the two backs on the field are both like actual running backs. So there's no fullback on the field. Um, We kind of hear about it every training camp. Usually we'll get some, oh, they're they're trying some two back sets. Uh, And we just, it's something that we kind of hear a lot about every uh, every summer as teams are kind of trying to figure out what their best personnel package is in. And why I went and wrote that piece last year is because we do hear about it a lot. And then 
it's not often put into practice quite as well mm-hmm. as teams are kind of idealizing when they're in training camp practices. So one of the limits there is a lot of the times these running backs that are on the field are not really set to run routes. They're not great route runners. And that's, you know, not really what they're supposed to be doing. So usually like you're taking a wide receiver or a tight end off the field, you're putting one of these guys usually in the slot. Sometimes it's two running backs in the backfield. Mm -hmm. And it kind of limits the creativity some of these coaches can have because you're kind of stunting what you can do vertically because a lot of these running backs are not going to be pushing uh, their routes vertical. So it's kind of just condensing what you can do in an offense. So a lot of the times it does limit a little bit some of the spacing you can have on offense, which is why it doesn't work out quite as well in practice as it does in theory. So in order for it to really work, and there's only a couple teams that have really figured that out, it's when you have that running back that can get vertical a little bit. And I think as we get, you know, we talk about John Robinson a little bit, he can be that mm-hmm. guy. Um, so that's kind of just one of the, the limits it has where you're trying to think about creativity and and maybe the second running back can be a mismatch. But actually in practice, when you need the running back to do something, a wide receiver, a tight end is probably going to do it. You mm-hmm. really need a specific running back to do that. And there's not a lot of backs who really have that in their skill set to to pull it off. Yeah, I mean, historically, it's been kind of specialized, right? And that's where the whole third down back came from. It's okay, we're going to bring in, uh, you know, more of a utility guy who does this thing very well, because, you know, the all around running backs who do it all and not just, yeah, I can catch passes out of the backfield, but no, I can line up in the slot and I can run, you know, a legitimate route tree at a pretty high level against NFL defensive competition. That is very rare. But I, I think that One thing that you noted in your piece um, in the run-up to the 2022 season, I think that if I'm getting the stat right, it was like there were only 25 targets to a running back over five yards down the field or five or more yards down the field. And that Cordero Patterson accounted for 11 of those. Obviously, you know, he's got that background as as a wide receiver. So that makes some sense there. But I think that also speaks to the fact that Atlanta is at least aware that you need some vertical aspect of of your passing game when the running back is involved. And I think similarly, (laughs) I love that you shared this clip in your uh, Bijan Robinson piece, but the play against Alabama. When I saw that during the the kind of pre-draft process, I was like, bingo, there it is. Like that is something that I've seen Cordero Patterson do, not necessarily lining up in the backfield like Bijan did. He was again, lined up kind of in the slot, but against New Orleans and just took that kind of fade right down to the sideline get that pass, give that cushion and make a great play on the ball. I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, that is how they can use him. I mean, is that the type of, of receiving element that you think Bijan is, is going to bring to this team? And is he that type of special receiver that could really unlock it for Atlanta? Yeah, the interesting thing with Robinson is it is still a little bit of a projection because he didn't do a lot of that at Texas. And I kind of think that was in part of the Texas offense. And I I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. think it was him because when you're kind of watching, he does have those elements. There is, you know, that play um, that uh, he talked about against Alabama. He did uh, another crazy catch against uh, Texas Tech. Um, -hmm. I believe it two just ridiculous, probably like two of the best downfield catches we've seen from a running back, like in college football last year, (laughs) he just wasn't asked to do it a lot. And I think that was in part part because of the the Texas offense. That just wasn't something they wanted 
their offense to, to look like. But you did have those two plays where he does have the ability to do it. And he was always split out you know, on 5% of his snaps, which was a relatively low uh, number. I think you look at like Jameer Gibbs, uh, who was taken by the Lions, he was about at about 12% last year. So he was a little more out in the slot and out wide than Robinson was. So it, it's a little pro- bit of a projection to have to wonder what Robinson can really do there, but he does has shown the skill set that probably has that ability, and uh, the fact that it, almost immediately, you know, Arthur Smith was saying we're going to use him in the slot. John Robinson during the first rookie camp was saying he's already using me in the slot. So yeah. I do yeah. think they they do have that in mind right now. Um, so I do believe they believe he has the ability, um, but it's just not something we've seen at a super high volume uh, in his college experience but i don't think that limits him to what he could potentially do especially if there is going to be a concerted effort to get him there trust me dan i'm going to be right there on the front lines in training camp with my phone up recording all the videos of Bijan robinson running you know different one-on-one routes against corners and safeties and it's the hype is going to be real and then you know we're going to get into week one and it's going to be like all right yeah mostly it was cordero patterson operating in that role and, and Bijan kind of split the touches with Tyler Algier, like I can already see how the hype builds and then they kind of bring it all back. But one one thing I really was curious to kind of pick your brain on a little bit more is this whole notion that you go into about, you know, whether or not running backs are used in the slot in empty formations versus kind of more intentionally placed in the slot in non-empty formations when there is still, you know, somebody in the backfield that gives that true threat of a run. So can you kind of unpack that a little bit more for the audience and just explain why that is. Sure. So, yeah, it was just in kind of in response to a thing that was going around Twitter recently. And I think it was kind of in the, you know, John Robinson type of just kind of in that vein of how it's a limited efficiency when receivers are in the slot, but uh, because they only average about like one around one yard per route run, and if you're just running backs over, in the slot. overall, yeah. yeah. Um, and if you're looking at just kind of overall production, that's much less than like a, a wide receiver or so. So mm-hmm. there was that idea that this was a very inefficient way to use running backs, even if you do have the kind of guy who can be there. Um, it, it's not necessarily a great thing for the offense. But when you like dive in a little deeper to that, about seventy six percent of the routes for running backs in the slot last year were when teams were in empty. So that's kind of just by default in the formation where you're asking a running back to be out in the slot. So these aren't really like designed for the running backs to be there. It's just part of the formation. So you're usually still going more often to a wide receiver or or a tight end uh, in those kind of formations. But if you're in more of you know your actual structure of the offense and you have a running back in the slot, then they're much more productive. You have guys like Christian McCaffrey who are doing that, especially once he went to the 49ers. And if you're like really thinking of the ideal version of like the top level of what Bijan Robinson could be, it's the Christian McCaffrey in the 49ers offense. Um, And so when, when he's in the slot, he's a legitimate route runner. He had like over four yards per route run when he was in the slot in a like regular, more regular formation and not empty. Someone else was also in the backfield. And I think that's one of the big things here too, is it's great to have these running backs in the slot and we can kind of talk about it, but in order for a team to really take advantage of it, you kind of have to have 
all the other pieces in place for an offense to really make it work. And that's also kind of why it's it's hard to singularly look at the running backs in that place. Because when you look at the 49ers, you have Debo Samuel who can line up in the backfield. You've had, um, you know, mm-hmm. Kyle Juszczyk, again, who's a fullback who can be in the backfield. They've put George Kittle in the backfield before. You have all of these pieces that can move around. If you only have one guy who can move around, that's still kind of limiting because you can't move anyone else around. So it doesn't really help you in that. But I think when you look at what the Falcons can do, you, if you have those two back sets with Cordero Patterson, you can have him in the backfield, have the John Robinson out in the slot. Um, You know, Kyle Pitts has spent some time uh, in the backfield. You had, you know, Michael Pruitt was uh, sitting in in the backfield uh, at some time. So I think Atlanta does believe in that where they can move everyone around. And that's just kind of the, the type of thing that you need to be able to do in order to, you know, make these type of backs really, really click. Um, Because if they're the only person who can do it, it doesn't really give you much else because everyone else is kind of set in their ways. I think that's a really great way to kind of look at the whole, and this is definitely in probably pole position for the running of just overused phrase of the offseason so far, but positionless player, you know, like, yeah, what I think the goal of that is, is ultimately that, hey, when we're going empty and we just happen to have a running back on the field, that he's kind of not out of position by being in the slot, that he is still an asset there. You're not you know, just by necessity of like, this is the play that we want to run. So we got to put you somewhere. They want to take that aspect out of this offense. And they want to say, no matter what we want to do on any given play, you're going to have a role that you can execute at a pretty high level. And so that is where going back and watching um, some Falcons games from from last season this weekend, you know, I, I noticed that while they were in a lot of these like 21, 22 personnel groupings from time to time, um, definitely more 21 than, than 22, but it was, you know, a lot of Keith Smith. Um, it was, yeah. you know, not, not a lot of true pony, you know, sometimes it would be Cordero Patterson lined up in, in kind of the middle of the trio. And then he would run a, a quick screen and they just throw in the ball quickly while Tyler Algier ran to the flat. So it is a little bit, I think, of a new wrinkle, you know, purely getting right. two running backs, you know, on the field, one of which who is, you know, not Cordero Patterson, but even having Algier and Patterson, they didn't use them a ton together. In watching some other teams last year, like the Jets, like the Packers, you know, like the Cowboys, um, I couldn't help but notice that, you know, using split backs out of shotgun can lead to some really interesting things. You can free up and do a lot of the things that the Falcons like to do, which is bring your receivers in close, bring your tight ends close, use them to get leverage blocks on the edge, and then you know pull your guards, pull your tackles. So you get a Chris Lynch from a Caleb McGarry out blocking, but you also need your running back to lead block as well. Is that any aspect that you would bring to this offense? Yeah, I, I think it can, because I think Texas did some stuff that had... Uh, John Robinson and uh, Roshan Johnson uh, in the backfield at the same time. So when you were kind of looking at it, they did some of that. And and one thing like in pistol, which is something that, uh, you know, the Falcons use kind of more than everyone else. It's like the, the Falcons yeah. and the Ravens are really the only teams that you know, utilize the pistol a little bit. And that was from, uh, you know, like week one of the preseason the last year uh, where the Falcons came out real heavy in pistol and kept using it the whole time. So I the think 49ers too against their, that really good defensive front. And I asked uh, Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom a- about that after the game. And they said it was to keep that defense from really gaining any type of pre-snap read of what's the strength, where, where could we potentially run to? 
And I think split backs kind of accomplishes that same thing. But but please continue. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the things that they can do. So it definitely was something he did at Texas uh, a little bit. And again, you didn't draft John Robinson eighth overall to have him blocking you for someone else. <laughs> right. No, no, um, no. Yeah. But that is a piece of his game that I think he does have. So you can, uh, you know, change the looks uh, a little bit there. So, um, yeah, it's something he he did do at, at Texas. So I just think it's going to be one of those. It's a little bit of a, of a change up that you can do. It's not something you're you're going to want to be a heavy part of the the base offense. Uh, but it's it is uh, a thing I think he can do, and he'll be on the field for you know even when he's on the field by himself and not going into a route on third downs. I, I still think he's a, a really good uh, pass blocker. Uh, so he's definitely got that in his arsenal. And that was that was another thing, actually, that going back and rewatching some of the film last uh, from last year's, I was really impressed with Tyler Algiers um, pass protection, uh, especially, you know, for a for a young player, a young running back, really kind of stepping in there on third down and, and kind of making his his name and in, in ste- stepping up and uh, protecting Desmond Ritter, Marcus Mariota, whoever happened to be in. But that's kind of what I was going to going to ask you is. Where do you think Tyler Algiers' role is in all of this? Because obviously he profiles as more of that traditional, like early down running back, bruising, breaks tackles, um, you know, but in a different way than Bijan, who is more of that electrifying playmaker, versatile, get him in space, but he's has such great contact balance. Like this does seem like a true thunder and lightning um, type of mix, but can they live with these two guys on the field? Like, a majority of the time or are they going to have to pick and choose and and how do you think that that could sort out if they do like do you think it could be a true split or you know how does that fall in your mind yeah i mean it's uh, just because of what was invested in john robinson it's probably not going to be you know a true split and i think if you kind of you know look at what the falcons did last year and one of the cases against you know drafting robinson where they did was how good Tyler Algier was. They were still one of the most efficient uh, running games in the league when, uh, especially once Algier took over that, you know, full-time role uh, or was at least, you know, the the lead back. Um, If you kind of look at, you know, EPA per rush, Tyler Algier was first uh, among running backs. So you kind of have that already there. I think that the thing that does leave a little bit to desired is what they were able to do with the running backs in the passing game, which I think is what really does separate John Robinson and what he can potentially bring to the Falcons offense. Cause I think if you look at what the Falcons are doing, they only had 6.24 uh, yards per completion to running backs um, last year. Yeah. And that was 25th in the league. So that's just this kind of explosive element that just didn't really exist for the Falcons mm-hmm. um, last year. So I think that kind of hindered them a, a little bit. And that's not really a big part of Tyler Algier's game. So I think when you have this type of explosive player like John Robinson, you can throw him in. You st- are, you are not going to lose anything in the run game. And, you know, arguably you're going to gain more. Um, and then you also have that ability in the passing game. I think it just makes them more dynamic and, and harder to defend. Uh, and that's where he's going to be. And, and Algier's going to be able to, to mix in. He should still get a, a bunch of carries because we just, we don't even full-time lead backs we rarely see them get like 300 carries anymore so right everyone runs some kind of committee <laughs> um so even you know the highest you know we we don't see a, a derrick a peak derrick henry even like he was an outlier in that year he had like yeah. 378 carries so that just doesn't happen 
um, anymore. So even guys that we do get the majority of the carries are are not going to be getting exclusively all of the carries. So there's still going to be a fairly decent mix, I, I would think. Yeah, and no, I mean, let's again, like, let's not act like the Falcons didn't just lead the league in, in rush attempts last year. There's going to be enough touches um, to go around. And one thing that I think was really smart, because I like to um, boil this down for everybody, I think it's not that hard to identify um, kind of the philosophy for this offense, which you pointed out very, very uh, correctly and, and simplistically in a way that was, you know, really easy to understand and did an excellent job of kind of summarizing it. But it's the single high versus two high thing, right? Like defenses nowadays are adjusting to these great passing offenses by, by going back and playing more too high and kind of putting a, a roof over the the defense and not letting um, the offense get explosive plays. So the Falcons want to draw defenses into this single high look. And you noted how much better Desmond Ritter was against single high defenses last year than he was against uh, two high looks. Obviously, that's going to change. He's going to grow and develop. And, you know, maybe that will still be the case just to a, a lesser degree or, or what have you. But I do think that that is at the heart of what Arthur Smith wants to do is be in these personnel packages, be in these formations that by all indications are like a five alarm signal that this is going to be a run play coming and then pass out of that and have these dynamic athletic weapons where you can do all of these things out of every possible look. So kind of my my last question um, to you is, did, does Bijan Robinson do enough to this offense to kind of put Atlanta over the top um, in a weak division and, and get them into the playoffs? And then I guess a little addendum onto this final question is, what is your confidence level in, in Desmond Ritter? And what have you seen from him to either think that he can do it or he can't, you know, moving forward for Atlanta? Yeah, that's a, that's a super interesting question because when I was writing the piece on John Robinson, it it wasn't so much this is what's going to happen. It's uh, I kind of felt more of if it's going to work and have an impact, this is what it should look like, right? And that's kind of, mm. you know, it goes back mm -hmm. to kind of the, the McCaffrey thing. If, if this is what's how it's going to work, it should look a little bit like that. So in an ideal version, if they are able to use him in that way, then yeah, I, I like it was already thing where I, I think we would just kind of as like the the national conversation could have been talking about the Falcons much differently if there were like a couple of you know big plays in the passing game that were wide open that could have been hit. Like we mm -hmm. could have been talking about this offense as, you know, one of the better offenses and one of the more efficient offenses in the league. And we got that a little bit. Like there there was a time, you know, in yeah. kind of the middle of the season where a lot of, you know, very nerdy football writers were saying the Falcons are doing some fun things. And like I was Especially uh, part of on that. like first down. Their first down yeah. efficiency was insane. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh but then there were some, you know, just big wide open plays uh, that were just missed in the passing game. I think, mm -hmm. you know, see a lot of Kyle pitch just kind of running open and getting overthrown. Same thing with Drake London. Yeah. Um, so the, the structure of it is, is there. So the idea of it is there. And I kind of do have some trust in this coaching staff that those things are going to stay the same. So now you have this added element of, of um, John Robinson, which I think is definitely going to help. Like I still wouldn't have taken him eighth overall, but 
now that he's here, I do think there is a pathway for that to kind of open up what the Falcons are going to do. So there is yeah. a, a very fun path for how they can do it. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's going to be this thing where they they will draw in the defense uh, a little bit more. And hopefully they do see a little more, you know, single high. And that was, there was a huge difference in where Desmond Ritter was in when he saw single mm-hmm. high and two high. There was a three yard average depth of target difference. It was, you know, six and a half against two high. It was nine and a half uh, against single yeah. high. Uh, so he's able to push the ball down the field, kind of throw those, you know, go rouse to Drake London or or Pitts uh, a little more. And so I, I just think it, it gives the Falcons some more options. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to do, right? They yeah. are, again, you when you have all of these skill players, you use the high first round pick on Kyle Pitts, you use a high first round pick on Drake London, now you use a high first round pick on John Robinson. Oh, they want to be able to, just throw all of that at a defense and at yep. any play, any of them are going to be a threat. And I think that's kind of what they're building toward now. So I, I'm not sure it's going to be singularly Bijan Robinson changing it, everything, but what he can bring. And now that everyone is a threat on that offense, I think that's going to be such a big deal for the creativity it, that they kind of already have. Yeah, it may not change anything. Maybe change is the wrong word because I think that you just led me to the idea that maybe it allows them to stay the same and it allows them to to still bring this identity that they want to, which is, yeah, we can give you a big look. You know, if you're going to play by the numbers and go, are they in 12 or are they in 21 or whatever, like, then you're going to be kind of led astray because they have upped their explosiveness while maintaining that ability to have two running backs on the field if they want. Or it's not like they added another wide receiver where now they need to kind of change and be an 11 personnel or, you know, more likely, you know, they got to get Drake London and they've got to get a DeAndre Hopkins on the field or something like that. It's like, no, we can now still be this totally creative, weird, um, like amorphous offense. And now we're still more explosive because we've added this type of playmaker. Yeah, and I kind of just going back and looking at the Falcons, like that's kind of what it was. It was a lot of trying to create those big plays on the ground, which I think they still have. Kept the offensive line Mm -hmm. together, bring in, you know, uh, Matthew Bergeron, who potentially can, you know, play guard. And so you have kind of that weak link that might be uh, a strength now too. uh, You still have all of that in the run game and you have potentially more. Uh, with Robinson, that was already one of the best run games in the league. Now, I just think it kind of it opens you up to some of those you know, bigger plays um, in the passing game. It gives you kind of another outlet uh, there that, you know, you, you still need some of those passes to be hit because Desmond Ritter was still had a higher inaccurate pass rate than Marcus Mariota did. Um, mm-hmm. So that is not great, uh, especially when you <laughs> kind of think of some of the misses that Mariota had, you know, earlier in the season. Uh, but I think when it's going to be settled down a little bit more, I think things are going to be spaced out a, a little better. Um, you know, I, I think when you now have a, a whole training camp and a whole off season for Ritter to come in um, as the starter, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where if a couple of those balls are hit um, that were missed, you know, mm-hmm. last season, you only need a couple of those to change and, and things are, are different for how effective and how, um, you know, how, many points the the Falcons score really. So I think there's, there's a lot of just kind of built in outs for this offense now too, uh, which I I think is going to help. It's, it's not so much any one person has to be great. 
Um, I think they they really have it's a good structure in place. I think the the skill talent is everything that they brought in. Uh, it, it really just gives a whole lot of options, and I think like that is kind of the the best that they can hope for, and, and it really does I think fit what the offense just wants to do in general. That was incredibly well said. Uh, Dan Pesuda, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this really fun, exciting offense and a really fun, exciting addition in Bijan Robinson. But everybody, please go follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta, um, and go check out his piece on Sharp Football Analysis. But Dan, thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. If you like to watch our show, I would encourage you to head over to YouTube and check out our Believe in Falcons YouTube channel. We are getting that up and running and getting a little bit better with every single video. So I would highly encourage and appreciate any love and support that you guys could uh, give to our YouTube channel over there. But for everybody else, if you enjoy our audio format, you can, of course, subscribe to Believe in Falcons on your preferred podcast platform. Um, looking ahead, again, offseason is going to be a little bit touch and go. Uh, definitely want to talk a little bit more about defense. We need to do a whole Desmond Ritter deep dive uh, at some point. Falcons are going to be starting OTAs and mandatory mini camps. So of course, we'll get you know a little bit of news here and there. But honestly, when it comes to those two things, no news is good news. So hopefully there's not a bunch to talk about uh, coming in and out of OTAs and mandatory mini camp. But until then, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden for all of my thoughts, uh, non-podcast version on the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, please go check out thefalcolic.com for any of my written content. Like I mentioned, the uh, Pony Personnel piece is up. Got a couple more coming, uh, just post-draft position reviews. So be sure to check all of that out over there. This show, as always, was presented by Bet Online. That will do it for us today. We will see you guys next week. And as always, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.